Hey, this is Pastor Chris Jane, and I want to thank you for listening to the Hope Church Sermon of the Week. For more information, check out our website, brhope.church. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Enjoy. And I think it's, I think it's appropriate, what, the theme that, that we're talking about today, you know, we've had such a, a great few weeks of one awesome victory after another. Jesus is just, he's winning every round. And then the piece that we come to today, for those of you who don't know, we've been going through the book of Mark, verse by verse, and Mark is this action-packed version. It's like a, an action movie version of the life of Jesus. He goes, he just gives you the events. Boom, boom, boom. Today we come to this very, very odd story that is sandwiched in a very strange way. We're going to talk about Herod's horrible birthday party. Herod's horrible party, we'll call it. I don't know if it was his birthday. But uh, the fact is, sometimes bad things happen to really good people, right? Sometimes bad things just, just happen. And Herod's party is an example of a, a good party gone bad. It goes really bad really quickly. And it's very odd how Mark sandwiches these stories together. Because at the beginning, right before what we're going to read today, we read that the disciples were sent out, right? That, uh, that Jesus has, has sent out the disciples. So it says, so they... They went out and proclaimed that people should repent. They, they, they went out with the good news, right? And they, they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and they were healed. Okay, and then at the end of this chapter, it says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. So, he, so they, they are sent out. All these awesome things are happening. Then we're going to find that at this party, John the Baptist uh, actually loses his life. And then, after that, the disciples are going to come back and tell all the great things that happened. Isn't that strange? But that's just life, isn't it? Sometimes things can be going along just fine. And then, whoa, what is that? You know, Halloween is this week, and we've had a lot of candy around. I'm sure we've all had way too much already. And it reminds me of um, when I was a kid, uh, there was, you know how Pop-Tarts come two in a pack? And so sometimes you open it and you only eat one. And then that other one's just there in the foil, right? But the foil's open. Well, I remember finding a Pop-Tart that was already open. I bit into it, and there were bugs inside the Pop-Tart. How many have, have ever eaten something and then find half of a bug or something inside? Yeah. Remember that old saying, like, what's worse than having an apple with a worm in it? Having only half a worm in it? You get it. And, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up soon, and um, as I was thinking about this, I, I remember the first time I was asked to help prepare a turkey. You know, it comes and it's sort of slimy and, you know, and it was kind of gross. And it's like, I don't want to clean the turkey. I just want to eat the turkey. I'm not really that much that interested in the process. 
but I was asked to help, and so I washed off the turkey real good, probably soap and water. I don't know if you're supposed to use soap on a turkey or not, but cleaned it all up. And then I was told, then I was told, you're not done. You've got to clean the inside too. I clean the inside. Well, much to my surprise, as I reached in the turkey, there were things in there. Much to my surprise, someone put a bag of stuff in my turkey. There was a neck in there, and I just wanted to push it all back in and say, let's go to Bob Evans. You know, let's go somewhere else. Because in the middle, you don't want to reach into the middle of something. It's supposed to be good and find something, something so nasty. But that's kind of what we're, uh, what we're walking into today. Life just comes at you fast, right? And it can happen to the best of us. So let's pick this up. Mark chapter 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Where it says, King Herod soon heard about Jesus. For the name of Jesus was on everyone's lips. Some were even saying about him, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous power flows from him. Others said, no, he's Elijah. While others said, he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. When Herod heard what the people were saying, he concluded, John, the man I beheaded, has come back from the dead. That's strange. All these good things happening, and then in the middle, we're kind of told the story. And really, it's a flashback of a story that has already happened. Okay? Herod has a guilty conscience about something that he's done. And so let's talk about so Herod, King Herod, was not really a king. Okay? This is Herod Antipas, and he is a wannabe king. He's not really a king. He, he wants to be king, and he wants it really, really bad. He's what they call a tetriarch. He's a puppet ruler that Rome has put in place at this time to rule over the people. But he is a man who wants to be important. He craves influence and power and prestige. He, if he was an assistant manager, he's the kind of guy who would like cross out assistant, Right? He wants to be king. He wants it so bad. His wife pressures him so much to keep asking the emperor to make him king that eventually they actually send him away. He says, I'm sick of you, you know, hearing about how you want to be king, and he, and he banishes Herod. <clears throat> but the readers, the early readers of Mark would have known that this is Herod the wannabe king. Okay? So it says Herod heard? What did he hear? What did he hear about? Well, the disciples had obviously just been on this missionary journey. They're, they're, all these miracles are happening, so everybody is talking about Jesus. How awesome is that, that news reaches the palace about Jesus. Everybody's talking. Can you picture the day in Big Rapids, Michigan, when everybody's talking about Jesus? When in the mayor's office, they're talking about Jesus. When down in Lansing in the governor's mansion, all anybody's talking about is Jesus. Can you imagine what would happen if in the White House today, everybody's talking about Jesus? 
How amazing would it be if, if every time we gather, because I know that when we gather, Jesus is in the midst of us. I believe that. I know that to be true. What if every time we left, we didn't just go out, we were sent out? What if we left here sent on a mission to spread good news, on a mission to bring life to somebody, on a mission to bring hope, to bring healing to somebody? What if every time we left this place, we went out on mission? How long would it take before everybody would be talking about Jesus? I'm not going to start shouting at you, but I feel like shouting. <laughs> so today we're going to learn from Herod's horrible party a few lessons. We're going to learn four lessons. And the first thing we've got to get is that every one of us has to answer the question, who is Jesus? Today, to this day, people don't know who Jesus is. They've got all, the, everybody has an opinion, everybody has a thought. We've got to answer that for ourselves. Who is Jesus? And that's kind of one of the themes we keep seeing in the book of Mark. Mark starts out his book. Chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He answers it right out in the, in the very first sentence of his book. And yet, in Mark 2, we have four friends who conspire together to deliver their paralyzed friend in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And everybody freaks out. The religious leaders say, you can't say that. Only God can forgive sins. And he goes, you're right. That's my point right? Mark chapter 3, his own family, they come to collect him because clearly he is, he is apart from his, from his rightful mind. He's outside of his mind. They, they don't understand who he is. Mark chapter 4, we saw the disciples in the boat and Jesus with a word speaks to this storm and whoosh, silences it. They say, who is this man? Who is this guy that even the winds and waves obey him? Mark 5, he cast thousands of demons out of a man. And the people, people are, are amazed and the, and the demons say to Jesus, what would you have to do with us, son of the most high God? Even the demons know who he is. And as we go further into this book, Starting in chapter 8, we're going to see Jesus begin his journey toward the cross. And in chapter 15, we are going to, we're going to meet a Roman soldier who sees Jesus crucified and says, Surely, this man is the Son of God. But today, Herod and everyone at the party, they're talking about Jesus. Who is this guy? And they've got all sorts of ideas. Some think he's Elisha or one of the prophets. Some think he's John the Baptist. Do you know, it's not enough just to be talking about him. Do you believe in him? Do you believe he is who he says he is? It's not enough to believe he can do miracles or, you know, that he's the talk of the townie. Do you believe that he died rather than live without you? That he rose and defeated death? That he 
is coming back again? Do you believe that his sacrifice was enough for your salvation? So why was Herod so guilty? Why did he have this guilty conscience? Let me read it to you. It starts in 17. This is, a, this is something that happened before. It said Herod had sent. So before the party, some other, Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John. Well, I'm sorry. So during this party that had happened before. So today, everyone in the, in the, in the um, palace is talking about Jesus. Everybody all over town is talking about Jesus. Herod thinks back to this party that he had had. He, it says, Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John, and she wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless, for Herod respected and feared John, and knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. What a weird guy Herod is. Let's talk about Herod's family for just a minute so you can kind of understand the dysfunction that we're dealing with. There are many Herods in the Bible. This one we're talking about, this is Herod Antipas. Okay, but his family is like a bad reality TV show. This is a perfect episode of the Springer Show. Is that even on anymore, Jerry Springer? Uh, keeping up with the Kardashians. This is keeping up with the Herodians. Okay, this is dysfunctional dynasty. All right? So Herod's father was called Herod the Great. He had four sons. Herod Antipas is one of them. Philip was another one. He had another son called Artabulus. And Herod the Great actually murdered him. You know, it's dysfunction in the family when the father murders the children, right? But before he killed him, Artabulus had a daughter, okay? A daughter named Herodias. Okay, so Herodias grows up and marries her uncle Philip. All right? Already bad enough. But then Herod, you know, the Herod we're talking about today, he decides he wants to have her. So he seduces her away from his brother Philip. And he, in, in, in essence, marries his father's granddaughter, his brother's daughter, his own niece, and his brother's wife, all in the same person. That's Herodias. Okay? And you thought your get together was going to be awkward this Thanksgiving. I'm guessing this was not a warm, happy type family. <laughs> One thing we learn about Herod, the second thing we learn is that it is dangerous to listen and not respond. Okay, he loved to listen to John the Baptist. He didn't like being told that what he was doing was against God's will, that it was against God's law, and yet he still, he liked to listen. He, he liked to listen, but he never responded. 
And so it, it says in verse 20, Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. John was arrested because he spoke the truth. That's the only reason. It's because he was speaking the truth that, uh, that he was arrested, that what, what Herod and, and Herodias had done was wrong. That's the only reason he's, he's in, uh, in prison right now. And so she wants him dead. She has a grudge against, uh, against John. She wants him dead. She can't do it because Herod has decided he likes this guy. He knows he's a holy man. He's going to protect him. But he wouldn't listen to him. He wouldn't actually respond. He wouldn't do the things. He wouldn't repent. You know, he would just, yeah, I, you know, he would listen to him. Yeah, I know it's wrong, but, ah, you know, I just don't want to change anything. Or, yeah, I, I know my whole family's messed up. I, I know. Uh, but he would never respond. And, you know, the dangerous part of that is that the longer you listen and don't respond, the harder your heart gets. When you can listen to the truth and not respond, your heart begins to harden. And that's what's happening to Herod. His heart is getting harder and harder. That word disturbed, it kind of shows a picture of, you know, Herod's at a crossroads. You know, he's, he, he can't handle the truth. He knows what he should do, but he won't do it. That, that's where Herod's at. It's very sad, actually. That's a miserable place to be in, to know what you ought to do and just not do it. That's the kind of tension. And, you know, he, he, all this stuff about wanting to be king, wanting to be in control, wanting people to think he was great, it's like he probably thought he was in control of the situation. He'd have plenty of opportunity to, to repent later or to change later. Maybe one day he was going to actually respond. What he didn't know is that opportunity was about to be taken from him. Hebrews 3, 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Herod heard a prophet's voice. He had a chance to respond. But his heart was hardened. That's why it's so dangerous to hear the truth. It's so dangerous to be given an opportunity to repent because the longer you do that, the harder your heart gets. And you know what happens with hard hearts? Hard hearts no longer hear the whisper of God's voice. A hard heart can only hear the shout. A hard heart is like the kid who only responds when his parent yells. How many of you knew you were in trouble when you were a kid when your dad would raise his voice? How many knew you were really in trouble if he used your middle names? And how many knew you were really, really in trouble if he got the middle names mixed up? You know, Christopher, Lucas, Gabriel, Robert, Sean, you, you know. Then you knew you were real. oh man, dad is really mad at us. He, can't, he doesn't even know our names. As a child, if I only respond to dad when he raises his voice, guess what? My heart is hardened to hear it when he just says, Chris. I want to be so sensitive to God's voice that I want to hear his whispers. The Lord is not known for yelling. He's not known for shouting. He's known for whispering. He's known for being in that 
still, small voice. This is Herod's story. He's at an impasse with the truth. He's listened but not responded. So I would just say to you today, if that's you, if that's your position, if that's where you find yourself, you're at a crossroads, today is the day. Take advantage of the opportunity. You may not get another one. Don't put it off. If you need to get right with God, do it today. If he's been telling you something you've been ignoring, fix it today. Take this opportunity to respond. Don't let your heart become like Herod's. Don't let your heart get so hardened that it takes a shout to get your attention. Hebrews 3.15, don't harden your heart like these other guys. They listened to the truth and they ignored it. Don't be like them. Herod thought being a wannabe king that he was in control. He thought, I can listen to this message of repentance and, and respond anytime I want to. I don't have to do anything about it. I can just call for John or I'll say, I, I can just listen to his podcast or you know, I can hear his message anytime I want to. It'll be there. I can, I can have him come and tell me about Jesus and then I can just send him back. Little did he know that his opportunity was about to disappear. What he thought he was in control of was about to be taken from him. It's a scary place to be where, you're, where your heart has gotten so hard that you don't even hear God giving you the opportunity anymore. So we learn today that it's, it's dangerous to listen and not respond. In verse 21, it says, Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. So Herodias' opportunity came. Herod's about to lose his, Right? He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. So no one threw, threw a, a party for Herod, so he's going to throw one for himself. It's like a Thanksgiving party, but it's more of a thank me party, right? I want everyone who's anybody to be there, all the who's who, anybody with, with authority or power, um, anybody who's sort of in the know, I want them all to be there and to thank me. the wannabe king, Herod. Verse 22, Then his daughter, also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. He liked it so much, he says, Ask me for anything you like, the king said to the little girl, and I'll give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half of my kingdom. What kingdom did Herod have to give? He didn't have a kingdom. This is how delusional he is, how puffed up. He is how he wants everyone to think he's something more than he is. She went out and asked her mother, what should I ask for? Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray and I want it right now. Uh-oh. The laughter stops. The party turns real bad real quick. Then the king deeply regretted what he had said, but because of the vows he had made in front of all of his fancy guests, he couldn't refuse her. He wouldn't refuse her. He wouldn't be made to lose face in front of these people. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray, and gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. Herodias seizes her opportunity Herod steps right into the trap. 
her opportunity came and Herod lost his. This increasing desire to be thought of as a somebody robs him of the chance to actually be royalty. How crazy is that? That Herod, the wannabe king, he kills the guy who came to announce the king is here, the king is coming. That was John's role, right? And later on in Mark, we're going to see that when Jesus is about to be crucified, this same Herod mocks him, mocks him to his face. So this guy who so desperately wanted to be king, he kills the guy who came to announce the, the real king. And then he mocks the actual king of kings who came for the sole purpose of adopting Herod into his family Herod, so that Herod could actually be royalty. It's a sad, sad story. Talk to the dads for a minute. What do you think would have happened if his dad would have said to him when he was a kid, you are special, you are awesome, you can do anything you put your mind to? What if he'd have let Herod know that he was somebody, that he didn't need the approval of, of this crowd? Take the opportunity today, even if your kids are grown, we still like to hear it. We still all need to hear that, hey, you're awesome. With God's help, you can do anything. So this, he goes from joy of everybody, you know, enjoying his party and thinking that he's so great to deep regret, just like that. I'm sure he never thought he would be the murderer of this, of this man, this, this man he, he feared and respected. He knew John was a holy man. He knew that everyone knew he was a good man. If you remember when John was baptizing, it said hundreds of thousands of people came out to hear John and to be baptized by him. And yet at the moment when he, where it would be embarrassing to say, no, he can't refuse her, he could but he wouldn't. Such a sad way for the life of John the Baptist to come to an end. You know, it seems like everything's over for John. You know, he was called the greatest man ever born of a woman. And in his 30s, he's, he's placed in a tomb. And sadly, shortly, Jesus also would be placed in a tomb but he wouldn't stay there, right? He wouldn't stay there. Defeat death so that we could spend eternity with him. Amen? The third thing we learn is that following Jesus will cost you. It cost John his life, right? Herod made a, made a decision that would cost him for all eternity. John made his decision. It cost him his life here on earth. Pretty soon we're going to see Jesus' ministry take a turn. When we get to chapter 8, we're going to see him begin his journey to the cross. And in verse 34 of that chapter, he says that he called to the crowd, 
to come with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Mark wrote this book to Christians in Rome under Nero who were experiencing persecution. He wrote this after Peter, the Apostle Peter, his mentor, had already been martyred and killed. The Apostle Paul had been killed. And now he's writing Christians under Nero who are being killed. He's saying to them, when he, when he includes this, he's saying, just because you're going through severe prosecution, persecution, even though it's costing you your lives, it does not mean God has abandoned you. In fact, it, it means you're identifying with the life of Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. Hold your hand out like this. We're all born like this, right? With a fist. And babies, you can put them down if you want to, or you can hold them up if you want to, whatever you feels good to you. Babies, when you hold a finger out, they grab it, right? And when we're kids, we, that's mine. And if we're not careful when we're adults, hey, that's, that's my plan, that's, that's my reputation, that's my money. We have to go from holding to giving, you know, to, to give up our way, to give up my desires, to give up my reputation, to give up what I want. Because it's going to cost you something. And if it hasn't, it may not be worth anything. Maybe time to, to look at that. When John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get his body and buried it in a tomb. What a tragic ending. And yet, like I said, shortly thereafter, Jesus would rise from the tomb, defeat death, so that all of us could spend eternity with him. I would encourage you, the story's not over. No matter what you're going through, this isn't it. And then the chapter ends with the apostles returning to Jesus, telling him all that they had done and taught. So we learn that it's a reality that life on, on earth is filled with a mixture of good and bad. So keep your eyes on heaven. My broker, Mark, my you know, the, him and his wife seems like they've been taking turns having cancer. And they both were, had finally had the all clear. And then the next thing we find out is that Mark has cancer again. You know, just as they're celebrating, like, whew, they're finally healthy. Something bad happens. And reminded me of um, years ago, if you guys remember, we had a young man named Will that went to church here, and he played a little guitar. And one day, he picks up Rob's, and Rob's had this guitar longer than we've been partnering up. I mean, he's had this guitar a really long time. It means something to him. And Will dragged it across the edge of a chair and put this scar on this guitar. And I would have throttled him. But Rob taught me a really good lesson that day. He said, hey, all this stuff is temporary. 
right? It's, it's all going to go away. So how do you manage when you're dealing with a mixture of good and bad that comes in life? You just keep your eyes on heaven. You remember, this is not it. You have a home beyond this world. My friend, Francisco, very dear friend of mine, he's from South America, but I love him just the same as if he was American. Um, that was a joke. I'm just teasing. He's a good guy, very good guy. He, when I first met him, he had a green card to be in the U.S., and, and at a certain point, it expired, and he had to go back to Argentina, and, and then uh, some years later, he would come back, and now he's out on the West Coast working, and he's become a citizen. But it just reminds me that we all, we all are temporary residents. And so I made you guys some, some green cards. It's a card and it's green. That's it. And you can, you can put it in your Bible if you want or put it somewhere where you'll see it. And I just want when you see it that you'd be reminded that this world is not your home right, that um, eventually your green card is going to expire and, and we're going to go to the place that we're destined for, that we were created for. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to heaven and eventually heaven's going to come to earth. So I just want to encourage you, friends, knowing that Thanksgiving's coming up soon. I know that some of you have things that you're thankful for, but then I know that some of you have things that you're just being thankful through. You're not thankful for it, but with God's grace and his help, you're thanking him through it, right? So I just want you to remember what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3. He says, let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth, for, when, for you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And the Apostle Peter wrote, friends, this world is not your home, so don't get cozy in it. And so I have, I want to give you a green card, Jerry. I was thinking about you this week and praying for you. And I know that you've been doing that, that you've been keeping your thoughts on heaven. And you know that one day we're, we're going to join Jim. And it's going to be pretty soon because this is all temporary, right? So you just keep doing what you're doing. You keep focusing on heaven. Right? I love you. And I got one for you as well. Because I know that you know we're going to join your mom real soon. That's what's so great about when a believer goes on. We don't say goodbye. We just say, we'll see you. Amen? Amen. It's not goodbye, it's just we'll see ya, right? I know you've all lost friends. Some of you have lost children. You have children that have gone ahead of you. There's a song that 
I was thinking about this morning. It says, this is my story. This is my song. Rob, could you sing that for us? something so much greater, so much bigger, so much more beautiful that we are living out, that we are living towards. So we're going to keep our eyes focused on on heaven, on the things of heaven. We're not going to get too cozy in this world. And so, Father, I just pray that when hard times come to good people, that you give us the strength and the grace be thankful through it. We thank you, Father, for every good thing. But Father, we're going to thank you through the tough things too. Because we know that sometimes tough things happen to good people. But you know what? They become strong people with your grace and your help. So Father, we just thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's going to do it for this week. I really hope that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, why not subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. It really does help. Thanks, and have a blessed week.